What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Done. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that shotgun set. Three receivers left. Here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Great entity. Caught ball, Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record a thousand yards or more in his first seven seasons and won a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. That's intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Those toward the end. Battle of Intercepted. Picked off at the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White. What a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome, everybody, to the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. I'm Jeff Ryan. We're the Salty Dogs. Yes, but not so salty this week. We're going to have a fun one this week. I'm going to try. We've been having too many of those where we had to try to... Find a silver lining or yep. say that the sky's not falling. But it or, wasn't falling. It wasn't falling, but, I mean, it's more fun to actually talk about a win. Sure. Rather than, hey, that was a loss, but look at these things. Yeah. Well, look this was this a shiny object. Yeah, well, this is this was a win, but let's look at these things. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was a fun game. Um, um, wow. I'm not so sure if it was fun. It, it was, wouldn't have been fun to be on the field. No. <laughs> no, it was not a good time. I kept hearing from the various people that we work with who work down on the field, like yeah, photographers sure. and, and social people and so on. And, uh, boy, apparently it was pretty miserable. It was really miserable. When the, when um, TJ's mic came upstairs, I had to, I took the felt off of it, and I had to ring it. And water came. I went, this is not good, you guys. This is not good. <laughs> Casey. Casey Phillips. Uh-huh. So she stays down there in the whole game and kind of MCs what's going sure. on and, and helps with the stuff between plays and so on. And um, I used to do the pregame show down there with her and sometimes halftime, and we would be in that treasure chest that's yeah. now in the uh, north end zone. Uh, it was previously in the south end zone. It's now by the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's like a big set that looks like a treasure chest that opens up, and DJ Eakin has his equipment in there. And uh, she thought she was going to be in good shape compared to everybody who had to be down on the field because yeah. she's in the chest. Apparently – it has a bunch of leaks. Ah. <laughs> so, so it's not waterproof. It's, it's not at all. And she said, <laughs> eventually, you know, because now it's getting all over DJ's equipment, yeah, DJ not, equipment and, and stuff that she's trying to read and the microphones. Right. And so they decided. Water, electricity, not, not a, a good, good combo. <laughs> they decided to close the whole treasure chest. Uh, which you don't normally want to do because she's on camera and they're okay. shooting from outside the treasure chest. So she's now in the dark. Now she's just reading. She's not on the screen anymore. She's just doing the reads and it's dark in there so <laughs> and there's still water dripping. So she said she had her cell phone in one hand and she's holding a tarp over all the stuff uh-huh. with her other hand. And she's like underneath the tarp with cell phone illuminating of uh, the flashlight, illuminating what she's supposed to read. Those are not great working conditions. No, but that's a pro because I didn't notice that anything was going south. That's a great point. She had to tell us. You just, yeah, you you go with it. Yeah, we we were looking at the radar during our pregame show, and um, 
I said, oh, perfect. It'll be just a little bit before, right after kickoff, we'll start seeing some rain. And then we saw the heavier storms come in, and it it was not pleasant. And uh, all everyone kept saying was, you know, if we played at 1 o'clock, we'd be out of here by now. <laughs> You're, that's something Jeff is already salty about. Yeah, I mean, that was that like – got flexed. Yeah, thanks. So all those CBS cameramen and everybody, don't blame us that it rained. Blame your powers Didn't that be. Didn't whoever – and I don't remember his name, but it, we have somebody who's a local weatherman who – who does a mm-hmm. weather forecast up on, on the board? WFLA, boards. yes. And I, I was told today that he said uh, that it was going to rain, but we shouldn't expect anything. Not, no, it started out was it wasn't expected to be, to be a big deal, and then the that's storms. What the weather de- people were saying, and then it developed. That well, that's that's Florida, you and know? then it just kept getting harder and harder. Oh, yeah, and those guys, that was, that was miserable. Yeah, not not and and oh, by the way, fans, for those of you who stayed and held in there, nice. true fans. True fans. I liked it. The, whenever they show the people who thought to bring, like, rain, ponchos, ponchos mm-hmm. sitting in the stands and it's empty all around them because everybody else has run for cover, I'm always impressed that they were prepared, but they look miserable. Well, a poncho sounds like a really great idea when you're sitting there, but you, you eventually the problem is it's so humid in Florida <laughs> that you're not getting wet. Because of the rain, you're just sweating <laughs> yourself. So you're just like, okay, I'm wet anyways. I'm what difference does it make? Soaked to the bone. Yeah, I mean that was it. Here, we several of us had a question when halftime started, and I have sure. not gone to get the answer. I wish I'd remembered before right now. Me and a, one of the guys in PR, we both independently, without hearing each other, at, wondered if they bring extra sets of uniforms for every player, so that if this happens and they get soaked in the first half, at least they can go out in the second half in a dry uniform. I don't. I don't think so. <clears throat> I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh-uh. It would be a lot to manage. Do you think about that? Because. Well, if you had an extra set, somebody could, one of the equipment people could be well, in the locker room during the first half hanging up everybody's. I'd take five minutes to change in order to sure. be dry going out to the second yeah. half. Oh, you know what? We're gonna. I'm going to text. Keep talking. Okay. I'm going to. All right. Well, I think it was a fun game because some of our best players did amazing things. Yeah. And so there's no reason to delay any longer talking about Mike Evans. Uh, he, the, you know, the, he made the play of the game offensively with this 75-yard, one-play touchdown drive, um, caught it maybe 20 yards downfield, and then tacked on like 55 yards of yak, the most he's ever had on one play. In, uh, in his career, had to dive to the pylon at the end. He thought he was in. Ref said no, he was out at the one. Bucks challenge, and that was exciting because you could see in the challenge, like, there's no way they're not overturning this one. It no. is a touchdown. Uh-huh. Longest touchdown or, or play of any kind of Mike Evans' career, which given his career is kind of amazing that now he's getting his longest play ever. Uh, apparently on the play, what I liked, I love when somebody asks Baker a question that puts him in the mode of, technically explaining what happened on a play because it's so interesting to hear and he was asked if that if mike was his first read on that play because it certainly looked like it he said not in the huddle you know we get to the line he's the way the play's designed he's not the number one read evans isn't and he's lined up over in the left slot and uh but baker gets there and before the snap he notices the safety chris godwin goes in motion from left to right, and the safety kind of leaks to the middle of the field. So maybe 10 yards over from where he was, would have been over Mike's route more, 
but now he's in the middle. And Baker saw that and thought, hmm, this could work. And then apparently Mike ran such a perfect route for what he was supposed to do that he was in the exact spot that Mayfield needed him to, to, to hit him on that pass between defenders on the move, didn't have to break stride. Right. It's gone. Off to the races. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. And uh, we'll get back to Mike, but like I said, our best players made the biggest plays. I've been saying all along, I don't know if we have a better player on defense than Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh, you're, you're absolutely what right. What did he not do in that game? He had a sack. He had the game-clinching interception. He had three passes defensed. He had two tackles for loss. Yep. He had a team-high eight tackles. I went through his plays yesterday for something I was writing, yep. and he had like four plays that ended drives on third or fourth down. Like the sack ended a drive. He had a tackle for loss that ended a drive. He had another tackle that ended a drive. And, of course, the interception was on fourth down, and yep. that ended the drive. The the Panthers' last drive and their last chance. Cause that was a after, great pick. After the Atlanta game and after the – Houston game, when we give the ball back to the other team and they're not down by more than nine points and there's less than a minute left, I get a little scared. Yeah. I was a little scared. And they actually had a little over two minutes to go. Yeah, and all they needed was a field goal to tie. To tie, right. So they get to a third and one, and this is the part that really surprised me because they ran the ball pretty well in that game. They get to third and one. Time isn't really an issue. Mm -mm. And – Wait, they had more because we got the ball back with a little over two minutes. So they had more like three and a half minutes when they got that drive. They don't run the ball in third and one. And it's incomplete. And then they don't run it on fourth and one either. I know. And it ends up with a play that's kind of a broken play where he's young scrambling and he's motioning to Adam Thielen to turn his route up and go upfield, which was kind of smart because he got past the corner that was there. But um, and so he tried to lob it over his head. Yeah. But fortunately, Antoine Winfield figured it out on the fly, and he was there for the pick. Um, on your question about yeah. um, changing uniforms, uh-huh. yep. I I text the uh, our uh, director of equipment, uh, Brad. Yep, Brad Berlin, and um, I this is what I said to him. I go, question: Did the players change into dry uniforms at the half? He immediately replies: Two players, jerseys. Four players, pants. About 20 guys, dry socks. Offered to everyone, those were the only takers. Wow. I know. And then I said, thanks. We're recording Salty Dogs, and we were wondering. He replied, I expected a lot more jerseys. I think it's because it stopped, and they just didn't want to mess with it. A lot to change in 12 minutes at halftime. This is great. How's that? This is good podcasting. Yeah. This is some of the best work we've done. Good You're job, welcome. Jeff. You're welcome. And thanks to Brad Berlin. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, all the equipment guys are, yeah. are, like, are super. Like Mike Myrick's been here yeah. forever. He's a great sure. dude. You know, and they, they look out they look out for everyone, especially yeah. if you're on the sideline and they notice that your shoes are falling apart or, you know, <laughs> you're all wet or, you know, it's cold. You know, maybe maybe you need some gloves here. Let me help you out. So that's good. Well, that's yeah. a great answer. Yes. I a- am surprised that more didn't take him. That, he, I know 12 minutes isn't long, but I think it's long enough to change a jersey. Yeah. Well, they you know, whenever they expect, you know, they always have rain gear like if, when they travel to an outside stadium, they have to they have to bring it just in case. Um but I, I understand that. You're already wet. You're like, eh. I don't know, man. I hate being in wet clothes. Oh. Well, uh, but it, they're sweating anyways. Yeah, but it's, there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, but that does answer the base question, which yep. was they obviously have 
uh, at least one more set of uniforms for every player because he you said he offered it to all of them. Yep, you have the option. All right. All right. Very That's good. good. That's good to know. Um, so, um, what? You got something? Well, no. I, Winfield makes the incredible. It kind of reminded me of a Johnny Lynch play. That yeah, they thing. call a little it, bit of Rondi Barber in there. Well, I like the John Lynch comparison because one, they're both safeties, and two, Monty Kiffin nicknamed John Lynch the closer. Yeah, because he tended to get, and this is true. I've looked up the stats when it, we were trying it, to get him into the Hall of Fame, or not get him into. Yeah. we were trying to Make aid it, in the yeah. pursuit of him getting in the Hall of Fame. Ooh, aid, and uh, he he did tend to get his picks late in games that were within one score. He he was like, think of the famous, famous. What's the most famous? Regular season game in Bucks history, do you think? The regular season yeah, most not playoffs. famous game. Maybe the best game. Maybe the most exciting game. It was a Monday night. It wasn't the Indianapolis game. I'm not talking about no, that. No, it, it was. It was the was the yeah. Rams game again. Yeah, in 2000. Yeah, right. 38, 35 shootout with Kurt Warner in the greatest show on turf. Uh-huh. This was the next season after the Bucks defense had dominated in the NFC championship game, but the Bucks it slipped away from the Bucks at the end. And the, the final was 11 to six yep. against the Rams team that was averaging more than 30 points per game and created the bird Emanuel rule. So in the defensive struggle, the Rams win the next year in a Monday night football game that was critical for the Bucks in their playoff hopes. Uh, as it turned out, the Bucks won, but both teams ended up making the playoffs. But, um, John. That was a shootout, yeah. and the Bucks won that one. So neither of those made a lot of sense. But no. who intercepted the pass at the end to seal the game? John Lynch. He did that a lot. He did that a lot. That was after, like, we had scored on the, you know, it was after that Sean King pitch back to uh, the worked on pitch back yeah. to Sean King play. Yeah. And then Wark scored on on a one-yard run or on a run, but he, like, dived in from the three-yard line. Um, so we had taken the lead with very little time left. But still, Kurt Warner, he hit, I think it was Torrey Holt. He hit either Holt or Bruce in stride downfield, and they dropped it. Yeah. And then on the next play, Lynch picked it off. Sure. So, oh, oh, can't give guys another chance. No question. Anyway, yeah, Winfield, I'm still hoping all this ends up in, in making my prediction right that he'd be a first-team APL pro this yeah, year. Yeah, that – a very unusual game, I will say, and and we were talking about this, and I, I don't even know how you could look it up, but if I'm not mistaken, and if I am, you'll correct me. In the third, That's one of my favorite things to do. In the third quarter, there were 10 possessions. <laughs> how many of them ended in punts? Uh, well, almost all of them. <laughs> there were two touchdowns scored out of that, but, oh. but there were, I believe it was 10. I think we got the ball with, like, 40 seconds left, so that would count as a third quarter possession. I think there were 10. Because what was funny, not ha-ha funny, but funny, is there were four possession changes, and we played four breaks of commercials. That was at the beginning of the second half, right? Yes, in the third quarter, yes. It looks like there were nine. Nine? What about? Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, there was a 10th one that started started. with 41 seconds left. Okay. Uh, and ended in the third quarter. Okay, so that would be 10. So 10, and um, the, the ones that ended in the third quarter, there were two touchdowns and seven punts. Yeah. And then the one that ended in the fourth quarter was the Bucks touchdown with Chris Godwin. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, obviously the rain had something to do with that. Sure. But, uh, and the conditions. But have you ever seen that? In two pretty good defenses, actually. And, and then what was crazy, I got home, I was watching the Green Bay game, and I think they had they didn't even have ten possessions by the time they got to the fourth <laughs> quarter. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. 
Did you see the the Niners started out slow and then like they just every time they got the ball they scored. So, yeah. They, they well, when you have forty five points, I figured they were scoring a lot. <laughs> they just can't be stopped when they've got all their people healthy. Yeah. Well, that's they got all of their people healthy back just in time to play the play, Bucks. Uh, yeah. It was that basically was... Debo Samuel and Trent Trent Williams. Since those... L- luckily we got them being a little rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Since those two came back, they have not lost, um, and they've just been nearly unstoppable on offense. Uh, but. We haven't really dived all the way into Mike Evans uh, because it was a very momentous day for him. Right. On the same day that he had the longest play of his career and his 36th career 100-yard game. Wow. 39 if you count the playoffs. Yeah. I think last week I said that Mike Evans was going to get over 150. Did you? Yes. Well, I, we go to, I bet you I, I think I did say that. That was a topic of conversation because he came into the game 150 yards uh-huh. shy of – a thousand for the tenth straight year and for the tenth time in ten years, and we knew it was coming because he had six games to go. Sure. So we, like, we were discussing this with you know some people that yeah. involved in like miking him up and preparing stories and stuff, and we thought I was like, it probably won't be this week. I mean, Mike could always yeah, go off sure. for 150 yards. Sure. He'd done it. He had done it 12 times before. So it's not going to surprise anybody, but if you're playing the odds, yeah, it's probably not this week. Right. And then he does it. 162 yards. Uh, the 75-yarder obviously helped, but he also had a 40-yarder. He had about 80% of our um, passing production in the game. I mean, I was just looking at something um, for an article about next-gen stats stuff. Uh-huh. They only – the Falcons only played man-to-man – the Falcons. Panthers only played man-to-man defense on five of Baker Mayfield's 30 dropbacks. He had 29 passes and one sack. And the the 75-yard play was not one of them. That was against zone. But when they played man, Baker just killed on it. He had and Baker and Mike Evans. He almost always threw to Mike. Yep. He was four for five for 66 yards and like 118 passer rating and converted several third downs. Uh, three of them, I believe. The second and the, the seven yard catch, which, which was Mike's last of the of the night, that got it to third and one, so that Rashad could win it on the next play. Um, that was a big play. That was against man because Mike was the only guy split out. Everybody's bunched up tight because uh-huh. they thought we'd run two more times to try to kill the clock. Right. The pass was a fantastic call. It was just a quick slant. All he had to do was beat that guy, and then Baker just had to zip it into his stomach. And he did. And they did. And. Um, the only one that was incomplete, you might remember a play where it was a third down around midfield, and Mike kind of round, ran what they'd call a corner route, where he kind of bent towards the inside and then cut to the outside, and he totally beat the corner, who then pulled up lame, and he was open by like six yards. I looked it up. He was open. He had like six. He was wide open, in other words, and Baker, it was just probably Baker's sure. worst throw the, the night, and it skipped on the grass, and it didn't work. But it worked in terms of it should have been completed. Right. So uh, they didn't play a lot of man. But when we saw a man, we knew what to do about it. Yeah. Throw to Mike. I'll say this, that, you know, the Panthers may have been coming into this game at 1-10, and but they got their – they're a pretty good defensive team, and they got their guys back. They're much healthier than they had been. And I spent some time with the uh, Carolina Panther radio people when we were talking and um, just all that was going on with, with the organization there. And they were like, yeah, the defense is pretty good. Just the offense is struggling, struggling. And, you know, now – and so I was thinking, oh, great. That's just – we got to get these we're, – right. we're catching them now. That being said, um, I, th- I thought um, 
Bryce Young played pretty well. You know? Yeah, he had some moments. I mean, he had some moments. I mean, you could see where where they they struggle on on their O line. Um, yeah. really doesn't have any receivers to, to really, really throw to. I mean, I think Jonathan Mingo started to emerge. He came, he came He's about. He's a second-round yes. rookie, so he could be something. He could be something new. They had been throwing the ball all the time to Adam Thielen. Like, they yeah. came in this game, Adam Thielen had 77 catches, and the next player on the list had 28. Yeah. And I think it was a tight end or something. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, 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 that was a game that, you know, you felt like you needed to win, and you felt like you should win. But... The Carolina Panthers also beat the Houston Texans, I think, the week before we played them. So, you know. It can happen. It can I, happen. I think they'll win the, another game. Uh, we're going to take a sidebar here. I know this is what? crazy. Uh, you heard Scott go, ah. and yeah. the reason why he did that is, well, Scott, tell him how your football injury of dislocating your shoulder came about. I, I, I think. <laughs> I didn't go to the hospital or anything, but I'm pretty sure I partially dislocated my left shoulder last week. Um, I've done that two times before, fully dislocated it, playing uh-huh. softball and stupidly sliding in headfirst. Probably the only two times I ever slid in headfirst, both times I dislocated my shoulder, which should give you an indication of how good I am at sliding in headfirst. Um, and comprehending not to do that after you did I, it the, the first, first time. The first time it happened, I'm like, I will never slide headfirst again. And then I was several years later, and all of a sudden I just did it, and, and I was like, why the hell did I do that? Yeah. Anyway... Uh, I never did it again after that, and now my softball "quote unquote" career is over. Um, so uh, those two times it was totally dislocated, and I had to go to the hospital to get it popped back in. Um, this one, I think it was out because I know how it feels, and I couldn't lift my arm. Um, and then I kind of was just messing with it, and it, and it felt like it went back in. And then I, it, if you've ever had a dislocated shoulder, you know that it hurts a lot when it's out. But as soon as you pop it back in, the pain goes away, yeah. and you have full range of motion. But then in the days to come, it's very sore. Sure. So, yeah, I, I did that. I just, How? Is that important? It is very important. Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. Uh, I may or may not have dislocated my shoulder getting off my couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we heard that correctly. Did you say you may have dislocated your shoulder getting off your couch? <sighs> All right. I was lying down. Oh, well, that that would be very difficult. Can you then. picture the maneuver where you, like, you sort of roll off the couch and put your feet underneath you yeah. and stand up? That's what I was going for until I realized the dog was lying there. Uh-oh. And I had to adjust, and I ended up sticking my hand out and, and just jammed instead of Instead of putting it on the dog, you had to put I it I wasn't going to hurt my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is because the dog was I moved was and ended there. up jamming it really hard on the ground. Okay. So, yeah, I dislocated, probably dislocated my shoulder getting off my couch. Classic. Which is You're the, all, the sort of things that happen to, you to could, people of my you, age. You could get the 2023 Couch Potato of the Year <laughs> award. <laughs> and it does still hurt a little bit. That well, was like a week ago. Yeah. But I will say this. You could have made up anything, and I would have believed it. But you, you Because I noticed you were having problems with your... It, it hurts a little more today for some reason. Well, that's because we're bringing it up. That's why. You're <laughs> thinking about it. Well, I reached over here to get my phone, and that hurt, yeah. which is... So Scott's basically playing injured today. I, so I, I hey, yeah, that. you gotta, you got to hey, appreciate that I'm it's victory, putting in it, the effort here. It's a victory week, and uh, we're going to take full advantage of it. So let's wrap up all the Mike Evans stuff. He, all right. He gets to... A hundred. He got to 150 on an 11 yard catch on the left sideline. Yeah, we were ready. We knew. everybody was ready. He he later said that they, they were ready. Th- that they were all they knew on the sideline. 
He said, people were telling me I needed six yards or four yards. I was hearing different numbers, but he and knew Baker, And Baker said to hell with it. We're just going for 11 and getting it. <laughs> well, he kind of ducked under a tackle and, and tacked on some yak. Um, Mike did, that is. So, he has now obviously extended his streak of 10 straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons to open a career. Randy Moss is second at six. So, he's had that record for a while. Yeah. But forget about the beginning of his career. 10 straight at any point in a player's career. He's now tied for the second longest with Moss, I think. And um, let me see. What I find, what I find interesting. W- no, he's all alone. He's he's second. He's only one behind the great Jerry Rice, Rice. for the longest streak of thousand yard receivers. Yeah. Rice at eleven. What I what I find amazing is he started out as a rookie getting a thousand yards. You know where you where you're thinking. Uh, you know you're first getting into the NFL. You know, how often are you going to get used? And the fact of the matter is, he he even said this. He's gotten better not only um, understanding the game more, but physically he is better than yeah. he was, which is pretty remarkable considering remarkable. how many years he's played. But he's a young – he's only, what, 30? He's a, he's a young 10th-year player. Yeah. Because he came in young. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty remarkable. Still, in the grand scheme of things, when players, when people talk about athletes and NFL players, you hit 30, you're starting to sure. be thought of as, like, what's Levante, 33, 34? Something like and that. It's, every year it's like, I can't believe he's still playing at this level. Yeah. When you and I would say 33 is a nice young age. Well, yeah, considering you dislocated your shoulder getting off the couch, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, Levante's hurt right now, too. Uh, so we yeah. both have the same level of toughness. Let me get this right. He was running full speed, dragging down a guy and got rolled up on. Yeah, but he didn't have to try to avoid a dog that was lying at Well, that's true. That's true. So, uh, Mike's 10 career 100-yard receiving seasons, period, not consecutively or anything, is tied with Randy Moss for second behind Jerry Rice's 14. Right. And here's a good one. He's had five seasons of where he's had – a thousand yards and at least ten touchdowns because his touchdown catch was his tenth of the year. Right. There are seven players who have at least five such seasons. Mike being one of them. The other six are all in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I feel like at the beginning of this season, we were making arguments for why Mike's resume was very close to him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And now, whenever you hear this discussion, I think the conversation's over. I think everybody has decided that, yeah. You would think. He's a Hall of Famer. There's virtually no doubt mm-hmm. there. Um, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer, like like uh, Baker said at the podium after the game? I think so. Right. And he could be right now if he walked away. He's not walking away right now. No. He's going to tack some more onto this. Correct. So he's at 90 touch, 91 touchdown catches. Let's get an update on where that ranks. Uh, 91 touchdown catches in his career. He's got 92 te- catches overall. Touchdown catches. Ah! 92 touchdowns overall because, I, as I frequently explain, he had a fumble recovery touchdown in yep. 18, in 2018, I think. Um, let's see. Let's look at this list. He changed the game because if you you got to remember, too, is, is that Carolina just scored. And and a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was the next play. Oh, yeah. And everyone went, oh, oh no. Here we here go. We go. And we had been so, having so much trouble moving the ball. Right. Just couldn't Changed. put together a consistent just, drive. The whole stadium, just the, the the mojo or the electricity in the stadium, totally is like someone threw the switch. 
So finish up. Um, so he's at 91 touchdowns, which is tied for 13th. Mm-hmm. The only other active player there or higher is Devontae Adams, also with 91. The Raiders were off this week. So there are, as I said, so he's tied with Bruce and Devontae Adams for 13th. So there's 15 players in NFL history who have had at least 91 touchdown catches. Yeah, I'll read them to you. Jerry Rice Hall of Fame, Randy Moss Hall of Fame, Terrell Owens Hall of Fame, Chris Carter Hall of Fame, Marvin Harrison Hall of Fame, Larry Fitzgerald will be a first ballot oh, as soon as no he's question. eligible. Antonio Gates probably a first ballot as soon as he, I think next I think this year mm-hmm. he's 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 uh, on the ballot eligible. Tony Gonzalez Hall of Fame, Tim Brown Hall of Fame, Steve Largent Hall of Fame, Don Hudson Hall of Fame, Rob Gronkowski first ballot Hall yeah. of Famer when he's eligible. Yep. Devontae Adams. Looks like he's on the way, and Isaac Bruce Hall of Fame. Pretty, so, yeah, great company. And and behind him, right behind him is Don Maynard Hall of Fame, Jimmy Graham not eligible yet, still playing. Andre Reid Hall of Fame, Lance Allworth Hall of Fame. I mean, Those it, are Hall of Famers. He's already there, right? Yeah, right. It's just is he first ballot? Well, he's he's not done. He's not done with this season. He's only needs nine more touchdown catches in his t- entire career to get to a hundred, and he would only be the eleventh player ever to, ever do, to that. do that. Sure. Come on, you don't yeah. think Mike Evans is getting nine more touchdowns in his career? You would think. I think it's a given. Yeah. So, so I'm saying first ballot. All right. I like I like how you're thinking. Good. I like how you're thinking. All right. What else? What should we talk about? Well, what else you got on that game? I liked – I thought Carlton Davis played well. He did. Played very, very well. I did. Very it well. just seemed like there were lots of plays where he was contesting the catches. He was. And uh, he didn't end up with any amazing stat line. They didn't technically have any passes defense because I think you got to get your hands on the ball. Yeah. But um, – I can recall. I, I recall during the game thinking Carlton's playing well, mm-hmm. so that's good. Especially uh, you know, very, you know. very important. I think. I think a guy that that um, I'm really happy for that he had a good game is Ryan. I knew you're gonna. I knew you're gonna say that. Well, no, it's good. He he, you know, came here and things haven't uh, been as smooth as everyone has hoped for, and. You know, the outside world pointing a lot of fingers and this and that. And so here's a guy that gets called into service, never playing the position, and ends up with a game ball. And if you haven't seen it, you should go to Buccaneers.com and you looked on videos and you can see um, the locker room celebration and Todd Bowles doing game balls. And uh, that's pretty, pretty sweet. So in case anybody... Two of them. One yeah, to Mike, obviously. In course. case anybody needs... The details there. The Buccaneers have five off-ball linebackers on their active roster right now. Three of them were inactive for the game. Levante David and Devin White, the starters, were out. Yep. Uh, Servasier Dennis was out also with an illness. So there were only two, and they had to start. One is K.J. Britt, a fifth-round pick three years ago, who has started one game. Mm -hmm. And that was that game against Atlanta last year where we didn't need it, and we played mostly reserves. Yeah. Um, he had not played on defense this year, I don't think. And the other one was J.J. Russell, who was an undrafted free agent in 2022, whose only start ever was that same Atlanta game and who has spent most of this year on the Bucks practice squad. Uh-huh. That's it. That's what you go into the game with. Yep. You're hoping those guys can play the whole game, but you have to have a contingency plan, and you don't have any other linebackers. So the contingency plan was Ryan Neal, the safety. Yeah. He's a good physical safety, a he big is. safety, but he's not a linebacker. No. He doesn't he didn't look like a linebacker standing out there next to JJ Russell. No. But KJ Brickett's hurt seven defensive snaps into the game, <laughs> which is terrible for him. And at that point I'm just my head is down now because I'm <laughs> thinking what are we doing here? Yeah. How are we going to do this? We had gotten a little bit of an inkling 
from seeing portions of practice that are not open to the media. It's not anything we could talk about ahead yeah. of time. Um, but it was not a surprise to those of us who saw it because sure. on, he got a little work on Thursday and a little work on Friday, but not much. No, no. He said, he said just enough to kind of have an idea what was going on. Yeah. Like, I think I'm supposed to be here. Uh, so he was the emergency plan and he played linebacker for more than three quarters of that game and did fine. Yes. He yes. even had one of the biggest plays when he run blitzed yep. and caught uh, Chuba Hubbard from behind near the goal line and forced him to go for a field goal. Yep. That was huge. But otherwise just, he, he didn't, you noticed because he's wearing 23 and he's smaller than a linebacker and he's out there playing linebacker. But you didn't notice, like, oh, God, we just got burned because we have a safety play linebacker, right? Right. It's like the way you don't want your offensive lineman to get talked about for right. the most part. Exactly. Which. So what a great thing. Yeah, I was very, very happy. I, I'm a, you know, it, you know, you take your lumps in this league. You know, either you're a hero or you're a dog. Ryan Neal was uh, was the guy that we, that it seemed like the Bucks got a steal on because he mm-hmm. had a really good year for Seattle last year. Very much so. And they initially. Gave him the franchise, I'm not the franchise, the tender offer that made him a restricted free agent to start the offseason. But then they signed a safety, and I can't think of who at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to remove that tag, which made him a free agent, and the Bucks swooped in. And he happened to be here in Tampa at the time. Right. I don't remember why. I think he was working out or something with, right. a, with a trainer or something. Yeah. There's karate girls walking out. Yeah. Someone's kids. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, he came in with that, wow, we have very, like, we have other than Antoine, we don't have any experience at safety, so this is a this is a, a great boon for the Bucks. Sure. And then yeah, like you said, he was playing safety. It wasn't going as well as everybody had hoped. He 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 talked about that yesterday. That's hard for him. It's very hard. And so he started to lose playing time. They were using D Delaney in most passing situations, and so he was only playing like a third of the snaps right. instead of right. all of them. Right. And uh and then he is asked to do this and just proves to be such a great team player, gave the team exactly what they needed. And right. I, you know, I'm hoping we don't need him to play next week, but at least you know you got an option. Well, and he ought to be better because he's done a game already. Yeah, but I'm telling you. <laughs> That's the, hard. The Panthers are a fine rushing team. The yeah. Falcons are a great rushing team. Yeah. So that would be a concern. Um, hopefully we get Levante back. We're hoping. Sir, yeah. Cervasi should be back because he was just sick. Yeah, I saw him yesterday. Okay, he good. was in the building yesterday, and I think he was over his whatever it was. Um, and Levante, let's see, on Sunday, that would be three weeks. So I, I think there's a ch- chance that Coach he might Bull be Coach said there's a chance. Yeah. He was hopeful. Yeah. It just depends. You know, right? I, I really want him for this game, not only because Atlanta's such a good running team, but he's – I, oh. When I picture a great Levante David performance in my head, it's yeah. in Atlanta. Sure. He seems, seems to always just kill it in Atlanta. You know, you're funny about you say that. Mike Evans seems to kill it against the Panthers. <laughs> he certainly has the you last know, two I guess, weeks. I guess that's why I kind of threw out there, like, I think he's getting 150 yeah. yards. Well, he had 209 it. and three touchdowns yeah. in last, the last game against them. Yeah. They don't want to see any more of Mike Evans. No, no. Especially since they lost James Bradbury, who was – you know, him and Mike had some good battles. Mm-hmm. Not quite Mike and, and Marshawn Lattimore, but no. similar. No. So, yeah, that was that. Which is a good thing. You know what we had? It, there was a rarity in that game, a statistical rarity. Mm. The Buccaneers had four sacks. Do you know who had them? They were all rookies. Antoine Winfield. No. You probably remember that one. Yeah. Yaya got one where he I cha- got, yeah, chased him. Chased him out of bounds. And the other, and then um, JJ Russell, first career sack. 
The fourth sack was credited as a team sack. What? A team sack. And it was on the play where Bryce Young threw what I guess was supposed to be a swing pass, but he it was deemed to be out of it was deemed to be thrown backwards. Oh right. And it, it went it, out of bounds. Correct. So that was deemed to be a fumble. Oh. And so I guess statistically you have to you have to credit a sack there because that's so the play. Every, so everybody on the defense gets a it's just credited to the team. Oh. It just says team. Oh. And it's the second time in Bucks history that they've been credited with a team sack. Just the really? second time. I thought maybe like each guy got one eleven of it. <laughs> that know. would be terrible because you know, all the stats would look ugly. Yeah, but that would be great that would... it, because a guy that's never ever shot a get one's got one eleventh of one. New rule. Uh, I don't think I would. That would be chaos. They they used to occasionally split sacks three ways back in the eighties. Yeah, and they, we have a couple players on our all time sack list that the numbers are just gross because it'd be like fourteen point three. Yeah, like, oh, come gross. on. Yeah, just round it up or round or it just down. choose. Two guys. They'll only do two guys now. They will never split between no. three or more anymore. Right. It's not like hockey where you can have a number of assists. <laughs> Seven assists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so a team sack. And I, I didn't know that. I, that... I, I, I remember the play because it rolled out of bounds, and it was, you know, it, it, first of all, they called it an incomplete pass, and it wasn't. We we called it right away that it wasn't an incomplete that pass. That it was backwards? It was backwards. I said the same thing. You could Immediately, tell. Immediately, yes. But I, it was – Go ahead. It was initially ruled an incomplete pass – and then they were gathering together because, like, well, then it has to be grounding because yeah. there was nobody over there and he was standing in the pocket and it didn't get back to the line of scrimmage either. But since it was a backward, since it was backwards, it was technically officially a fumble. Mm-hmm. So there's no penalty for grounding, but the ball went out of bounds on a fumble. So it was the exact same result. The ball would have been the same place and it would have been a loss of down either way. Right. And the problem that they had, they had to figure out where exactly they needed to put the ball. There was a lot of discussions. That that seems to be the new thing this year, uh, or at least I am noticing it more in the officiating this year, that uh, everyone likes to have a conference. I'm all for it. Well, I am too, but I do. I well, do. I, here's, here's the one thing that I don't understand. A flag is thrown. They all go get together. He goes, this is what I saw. And everybody else goes, no, you didn't see that. You didn't see that. Pick up the flag. And they pick up the flag. So I don't get it. If the guy thinks he saw it. It's very frustrating when it happens to yeah. your team. Well, you're talking about the Mike Evans pass interference. Yes. And they threw a flag for pass interference. And they got together and said, and they said, no flag. And it is frustrating. I assume what happens in those is that several people will tell the guy who threw the flag, hey, I know you think that's what happened, but, but from my angle, angle I could tell okay, that's that fair. this, that's fair. it wasn't that, it was this. And then okay. another another guy corroborates that. And so the guy goes, okay, you know, I thought I saw a pass reference, but you guys okay, explain yeah, why it's I, I not. Got, I was blocked, so I didn't see that view. Or he just, yeah. Yeah. All right. It could be like... You call pass interference, and you don't realize the ball was tipped. And once the ball is tipped, there's no pass interference. Right. Now, see, I understand that. Like, if you throw a flag and then they say, yeah. you know, it's being picked up because the ball was tipped. Saw the replay. Go, okay. I could see the argument either way. Yeah. And in my – usually when you could see the argument either way, you just let the, what whatever the call was stand, right? right? So that I did agree that was a little frustrating. Right. I also go by what the player does, too. I mean, when a player jumps up right away and throwing his arm, flag, flag, I don't take that as – as the be all to be all more, I kind of look at more body language than just the. So the fact flag. that there was no pro- protestations. Yes. Or there were protestations. There was. So I, I do appreciate that. 
So that <laughs> that that was that was very bizarre. Did you think the Carolina return man on that kickoff that basically at the pylon didn't know the rule? He did not know the rule because had he stepped out of bounds, the ball would have been on the forty yard line. If he stepped out of bounds and touched the ball, yeah, that's an obscure rule that a lot of people don't know. That I learned early in the nineties. That okay, so if you, you probably know if you're listening to this podcast that. If a kickoff goes out of bounds before it gets the end zone, that's a penalty on the kicking team, mm-hmm. and the ball goes out to the 40, which is great for the return Sure. Team. How many returns get to the 40? Not and many. Touchbacks only go to the 25. We, I ranted about that last week. Uh, if you're standing with any part of your body out of bounds and you grab the kickoff, even if it's inbounds, that is now considered the ball going out of bounds. So that gets the penalty, and a, a, a heady return man probably would have done that right uh-huh. there. It was a golden opportunity to yeah. do it. Uh, but he just kind of – I actually ran in to um, Keith Armstrong, and he's, he said it may have been just that he he wanted to return it initially. And uh, if that's true, that's – to me, that's, that's on his part a bad decision. Because what are the chances you're going to get to the 40? All you got to do is step out of bounds and grab the ball, and your team's at the 40, and your coaches are loving you. I mean, it wasn't a terrible outcome. They got, a, they got the ball to 25. Yeah, but still. Yeah, you got to know the rules. But we keep changing the uh, the special teams rules. That's the problem. So Chris Godwin, Chris, before this game, because his production of late has been a little down, nothing yeah. dramatic. No, uh, and he's been banged up, and I think that has something to do with yeah, it. Yes, uh, Coach Canal said, "Yeah, we want to get him. We we need to get him into the end zone. He only yep. had one touchdown. Well." We got him into the end zone, but probably not the way Dave was expecting. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He, uh, Chris took it in his own hands, so Chris, to speak. Chris did not have a catch. No. He did not have a catch in the game, yet he scored. 19 yards. A 19-yard end around, and as soon as, he, as soon as he went in motion, it was third and one. It was a critical third and one. As soon as he went in motion, I was like, oh, oh, please give him the ball. Please give him the ball, because we've seen that play. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's worked every time. Remember the NFC Championship game? Yes. In Green Bay? I loved it. It was like, oh, as soon as they handed it up, like, we're getting this yard. We're getting this yard. And then he just followed blocks. I think Kate Otten had a nice block downfield and got all the way into the end zone for the touchdown. So he got in. And Godwin had zero catches in the game. And I saw him in the locker room right afterwards with yeah. Mike when they first came in. Yeah. You would have you you wouldn't have known. You could have thought he had 10 catches. He did not appear perturbed in the no. least. He uh, he uh, He's one of those guys that were when we when five years from now we're going, let's talk about the best team guys. We've had. He's a guy you'd bring up. He was on Bucks Total Access yesterday. Oh wow! Okay, and uh, it's a great listen. Um, he, I even said this after the show was over with. I just said, "Hey, Chris," I said, "I've, I've, I've truly appreciated you, but after sitting here and listening to you speak, I just appreciate you even more." And it's not that I don't appreciate you before. But because of the kind of person you are and what you say and your actions, um, very inspiring. Yeah. And uh, it's a great listen. He talks about the reason why he's the way he is. Um, he's, he's good people. There's no question yeah, about he's it. he's good people. For and sure. he's excited for his teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, a me, he's not a me, 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 me guy. Never has been. No. So that is, that is very, very refreshing. It, but it, that's a good listen. It kind of left things in a... In a Unusual situation though, because next Chris's next game this coming Sunday in Atlanta yep. is going to be the 100th game of his career. Oh, I, I generally that down. I generally um, 
try to make a point of telling guys that during the week because they generally don't know. Chris they, might know. Yeah, maybe. I don't. They. Because to me, no matter, I don't care about anything else about your stats or your rings or anything else. If you've played 100 NFL games, you've had a successful career. Exactly. And the way he came to rehab back to continue yeah. playing, remarkable. And then he had like 100 catches last year. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be his 100th game. You know how many catches he has? Uh, total this year? Four, no, in his career. 499. Oh. So he'll hit 500 in wow, his 100th that, game. Those are great notes. I'm going to use I'm that. All, yeah, well, 100, that's what I'm here for. 100th game, and if he makes a catch, it's 500th catch. Mm-hmm. wonder if they'll keep the ball. If they know. Yeah. Well, I'll talk with Brad. Yeah, apparently you could he, you could text him and he'd get it right now. <laughs> apparently, people answer my texts. Aren't you impressed? Uh, uh, here's the thing. At least I didn't get the who is this? <laughs> who dis? Who's this? Uh, here's the thing. Okay, that I find interesting. Um, Will we? I hope so. All right. Third downs. They've turned around. You know how big big of a problem that was for us. Very much so. Particularly on defense. In this game. They were 3 of 15. Oh. But there were a couple third downs that irritated me that we gave up. They only gave up three. Yeah, but they were long ones. If I'm not, There is one that was pretty long. They, I they, don't have a game. They had, in front of me, it, it couldn't have been any longer. Wait. There's one like 15 yards, something like that. I don't think so. No? Okay. Maybe. They were all three of their they, – they converted – well, none of them were longer than 10 yards. Okay. I stand correct. The, the, um, they were 3 of 15, and the m- remarkable part is they were 1 of 5 from third, third and 1 to third and 3. We stopped four of their five really short third downs. Wow. That's, that's big. That says a lot. And we weren't doing that much earlier in the season. Uh, they were 1 of 2 from 4 to 6 and 1 of 4 from 7 to 10, 0 of 3 from 11 to 20, and 0 of 1 from beyond 20. Yeah. Uh, so – Three of fifteen that game. Let's see. Um, Indianapolis was two of eleven. Mm. Houston was only three of eleven a few weeks ago. Okay. San Fran was four of ten, which you know, it's not awesome, but yeah. over the last. So three, after. Yeah, three games. Well, after well, that's those weren't consecutive, but after seven games, the Bucks were last in the league, allowing fifty point five conversion rate on third downs. Fifty point five. Uh, last in the league. Over the last five games, they've only allowed 29.0%. So either the problem is solved or we're on a nice little run. Yeah, I'd say we're on a nice little run because your problem's not solved until you continue doing it all the time. So on offense, the last four games for the Bucks: 7 of 15, 7 of 14, 5 of 13, and 6 of 15. Right. That's a nice little run. Yeah. Because um, they've been struggling a little bit. That's 43.9% over those four weeks. So Third down, I think, had been a weakness for us in terms of comparing what we were getting to what the other team was getting, and now I feel like it's been a strength. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, but stopping them four or five times on third downs of uh, three or a few yards, I think, is the, is the key point I'm making here. Yeah, and that's and, and it's huge. Um, and also, it ter- talking about things that are turning around, do you think we have a run game now? I think we have might have discovered it, yes. I think I think he's doing an awesome job finding the hole. Not just Rashad, right. the I line. Mean, yes, the, but also but also the the um, power running. I think what well, it is. I think part of it, what it is. While the line is maybe gelling a bit, also 
Rashad seems to be doing a better job of picking the right lanes now. Right. And I, I'll, I'll read you something that Dave Canales said before this game. The Bucks had a season-high 128 yards against the Panthers, but uh-huh. they had 125 the week before against Indy. Um, they've averaged about five yards a carry over those two games. Um, Dave was talking t- – his typically very fleshed-out and informational answer to any question, you know, why is the running game turning around – um, it starts with it starts with the offensive line. It starts with Hainsey getting us directed the right way, which he's doing a great job, and then seeing Cody's growth, especially over the last couple of weeks, yes. and and Stinney doing a great job. That group really. Then Rashad trusting what's happening in front. That's what and, I'm talking and, about. And, yep. I thought th- he's talking about the Colts game. I thought it was his best disciplined run game that he had of the year in terms of just pressing the runs the right way to force the defense into those combo blocks. Right. Which basically is saying, this is where you run, no matter what you see run. Yeah. Correct? Or uh, I guess, or these are the possibilities of what's going to happen. And if it goes right, this is where the lanes this are going to end. Yeah. The combo blocks are talking about duo where, um, uh, Oh, Savannah's, it's official. Hi. Come on. Yeah, there Come you on. go. Yay. Thank you, Thank Savannah. you. Okay, that means mine's on my desk, too. Our intern last year would always just slip it under the yeah. door. Yeah, Savannah Michaela. Wanted, Savannah wanted to come in. Yes. Well, she could have come in. I don't think, I just don't know if she knew she could slip it under oh. the door, but she she did. Yep. Done deal. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we got a run game now. That would I, be nice. Well, I, 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 I'm hoping we continue that to have something. Um you know, I I think that uh, it certainly helps everything else going on. And when you start getting the run game, considering Dave said that he wanted to be able to establish the run, it shows that the guys are buying into the offensive scheme and they're understanding it more and more each game, which is pretty crucial right now because your back's up against the wall. Yeah. You know, there's no wiggle room right now. Yeah, and when you – when you're when you have a new coordinator and you're installing a whole new offense and you have a new starting quarterback uh-huh. and you have some, a lot of differences on the offensive line, you kind of expect it to take a while to gel, and this may be a process that lasts more than one season. Uh huh. You know, it, it, we make some strides this year, then we have another off season to work on it, and maybe next year, from the beginning, the running game is more efficient, mm-hmm. more productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'd love it to be great down the stretch, but uh, even if it's not a huge improvement, it's nice to see if it stayed in the right direction. If, if it stayed at where it has been the last couple of games, I think we'll be okay. All right, so do we need to talk about anything more in that game? Um, yeah, yeah, Diaby looked good again. Oh, gosh, did he not? Um, oh. He had another sack when the chase out. He's now second amongst all rookies in sacks. Mm-hmm. Third-round pick. Unbelievable. He's he's a fi- He's been a find. Uh I think the young kids played really, really well. The rookies played really, really well. No question. Kayvon Merriweather got into the game. He got in, did did well. Uh, So, okay. How about Atlanta? Uh, That's where we're going next. Well, Atlanta. I watched the Atlanta Jets game, and it was a real slugfest. Sorry about that. Um, Well, I actually had the red zone on. But then I was like, "Eh." I try to watch the teams that we're going to be playing just to get an idea. This was in the 1 o'clock window since we were – Flex to four right. o'clock. And so uh, the Jets had their opportunities. Uh, it didn't help that they fumbled the ball, like, on the 40-yard line. So, um, but it was a very low-scoring game. Nothing nothing made me go, 
Well, Atlanta is just a real, you know, powerhouse. But the problem with them is they could break out at any time. Because well, they do have they do have a great running game. They do have a great running game, and that's going to be the key. Uh, and they have a great kicker. So, sure do. He never and, misses. And they're going to be indoors. So they're playing on a 40-yard field. They also basically. have some decent defensive numbers. I think they're 10th in um, – Mm-hmm. In in yards and seventh in points or something like that. So and they were in first place. So you yeah. can't discount that. So the Bucks are going up there to battle for a uh, piece of first place. Yeah. They are five and seven. Atlanta six and six. The Saints are also five and seven, and they are playing Carolina. Right. At home, I think. So chances are they'll be six and seven. Well, uh, I yeah, I like to see. You know, uh, chances are. Chances are. That's all I said. Chances are. But Carr is hurt. Concussed. Yeah, but Carr so, wasn't playing all that great. Well, he 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 brought him back from Detroit until he got slaughtered. They were down like twenty four to nothing, and they came they came roaring back in the second half. They scored like three touchdowns. Do you want me to look up the numbers? He's not playing that well. Well, I understand that, but I think he's better than their alternative. Jameis. So, yes. It's so close. We're, we're going to find out. It's close. Come on, Carolina. Show us your. You know. Yeah. Show us some. Play spunk. some D. Play some D. Yeah. Uh. So the Bucks, if they were to win in Atlanta, which we know is definitely no sure thing. Nope. Not saying anything of the like. But we certainly hope would so. Would at worst be tied with Atlanta for first and uh, and then potentially You're in trouble if also you don't. tied with the Saints. Yeah. The problem that you have is if you don't beat Atlanta, that means they swept us. And that's not a good thing. I would say I don't mean to be salty about this, <laughs> but I'm still mad about that game. Yeah. Okay. So you, ha- this is a revenge game. You have to, uh, you know, all games. You know, it's funny when everybody goes. Uh, there was a question of, well, you beat the Panthers, but this Atlanta game, this is a must-have game. All games are must-have because at the end of the end of the season, you, count you don't. Up. Yeah, you don't get extra credit for winning in September. And, you know, they all count the same. So this particular game, though, because of how the season unfolded, um, you you really need – if you want to win the – if you want to continue to have a chance to win the division, I truly believe you have to win this game. Yeah. So let me – Will you like, agree or no? I 100% agree. I don't think that the Buccaneers have to sweep the remaining five games to win the division. No, I didn't. No. I do think they need to win this one. Yeah. And then if they don't, they still have a shot, but it's slim, and they, they still could fight for the wild card. Correct. But it, the chances of them winning the division if they lose this game will be very slim. Yeah. And and I'll explain why. Well, after the, you talk. The difference, too, is the Bucks can control their own destiny I was gonna bring that right up. now. Yep. If you don't win this game, now you got to ask someone to help you. Yeah. Okay? So let's explain so why. So let's explain why. The Buccaneers, if they lost to the Falcons, would be two games back. And Atlanta, it would be functionally three games back because Atlanta would have the tiebreaker over them. So they can't tie and get the division. They have to, they're three back. Right. And they would only have four games left. And Atlanta's remaining schedule isn't that hard. No. Uh, it, would, it would be very surprising for the Buccaneers to come back from that over the last four weeks. If they win, as Jeff said, it is true. They control their own destiny. They would be tied with Atlanta at 6-7. And, and if both teams won out, if the Bucks went out and Atlanta loses even one game, and in New Orleans too, mm-hmm. then obviously, um, well, it, Bucks winning out means they'd beat New Orleans. So yeah. New Orleans is out of the picture. If the Bucks went out 
even if Atlanta wins out and they're tied at 10 and seven, they are now head to head one and one. Both teams would have a five and one record in the division. And the next thing is record in common games. Uh There are 12 games that the Bucks and the Falcons had the same opponent. Like they both played everybody in the AFC South, as an example. The Buccaneers would win the common games, I think, nine and three to eight and four or something like that. Um, I think the key is that Atlanta may have lost to Tennessee, I think. Mm -hmm. Bucks beat Tennessee. Yeah. Um, So. Jeff is correct. If the Bucks, the Bucks right now control their own destiny. Destiny win five and they win the division. After the Atlanta game, it'll be even more like that. If they lose, they definitely do not control their own destiny and probably have a better shot at a wild card. And the other side of it is you got to have a streak here. Yeah, yeah that's mean, right. You got to go you, on a run. You got You can't win one, lose two, win one. You got to get back to where you were in September when you were three and one. In the month of December, if you could roll off three and one, I think you'd be in pretty good shape. Now, the question, the, the key though, is which one? If you're not going to win all, if you're not going to, yeah. if you're not going to win well, all, well, that's four, an easy answer, Jacksonville. Yeah, yes, because it's an AFC opponent. And so now, uh, not even going to, I'm not even going to bother to look ahead because I did watch that Green Bay game all the way to the end. Um, and uh, Green Bay seems to be catching their stride. Yeah, Jordan Love's starting to look really good. They are. Uh, um, he, Jeff's bringing this up because we play in Green Bay in week 15. Yeah, next week. Not this Look week, right. but next week. Two Sundays from now. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, it's one game at a time. But I would like to see us, uh, the Buccaneers. Well, I'll say us. My check says Bucks on it. Um, <laughs> it's electronic. I understand. Well, anymore. I know. But it's still, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's just one of those. If you're going to be a contender, you got to put a little bit of a streak together. Well, yeah, and you can't be hoping everybody else helps you. So, um, I'm in that vein, and I want to win the division because I want everyone to, to grouse because it's not the the strongest division, as everyone says. But you know what? You get a home playoff game, and that would be awesome. And actually, when you really look at the NFC. There's probably maybe seven teams that are 500 and above, and the rest are struggling. So that's almost half. You bring up these stats, and last time you did it, you look at. This I one. looked it up, and you were totally wrong. Look at NFC, not AFC. I said NFC. Uh, AFC is really good. AFC is really good. All right, NFC. How many? 500. Nine more. teams are 500 or better. Okay. I said seven. Only five are over 500 because there's one, two, okay. three, four. There's four, six, and six teams. I mean. Somebody around here was saying it yesterday. We think got to win the division, probably not going to win a wild card, but there's Maybe, one, yeah, two, three, four, yes. five, six teams that are either six and six or five and seven. Yeah. The, the six and six teams that are ahead of the Buccaneers right now are Minnesota, who doesn't have a quarterback and is about to play well, Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, at Las Vegas. Green Bay. Yeah. We just talked about them. They're doing well. They're at the Giants. Okay, well. Yeah. Well, but the Giants have been playing pretty good. The Rams. They're hot right now. They're having The fun. Rams. I think they got a tough one. Don't they have Baltimore? Yeah. yeah the Rams have to play at Baltimore. Okay. Uh, Seattle. Who they've been up and down. Loss. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough opponent. They're at San Francisco. Oh. So it would not be a surprise to see two of those. Those last two six and six, six and six teams lose this week. And there's and there's another reason why you want to uh, get to that so you can pull, you want to win so you can get into the, also the wild card or as they say on TV all the time 
in the hunt. So very, very important game. But, you know, it's December, and that's, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> you, got, you can't lose the whole month of December and expect to get into the playoffs, as we well as know. As we know from 2008, <laughs> yeah, right? <it's>, it's, <laughs> I'm just saying. One of the least fun games in, uh, or streaks. In, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully things will start going. And, and you know, if you can get healthy, or uh, I think it's like you said, getting Levante back would be really be huge. huge. Very, very big. So huge. We'll be paying attention to that. All right. What else you got? I think I'm good. You're good. We Everybody, got questions. We do. You want to go to some questions? All right. Let's go to some questions. Let's go to some questions. Go to the questions. All right. I, I totally appreciate you uh, sending your questions, and Scott's going to tell you how to do it if you're sitting there going, <laughs> I have a question. I wonder how I send it to the Salty Dogs. I should have. Yeah, but continue. If you like to send us questions, and we would love for you to send us questions. Or comments. Or comments. And, and oh, by the way, Peg, if you're ever listening to these podcasts, I'd like to hear back. I you. hope she's still listening. I hope so, too. Um, you send an email to... Do you remember Nancy, the nurse? That used to write yeah, to us, yeah. and we haven't heard from her, her. Her emails were always in some kind of, like, colorful, interesting font. Too. Uh -huh. She really tried to make it I look pretty. I certainly hope she's still listening. Um, send emails to us at saltydogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Don't forget the .nfl part in the middle. Okay. Um, it's not buccaneers.com. Uh, we love them. We'll, we try to get to all of them if possible. Uh, comments, rants. Uh, telling me why I'm right and Jeff's wrong, things like that. We love to hear those things. Mm -hmm. All right. We're all in. This is from Dan DeMaria, who's in Palm Harbor. I think he wrote oh, to us last week. Okay. Local guy. Ahoy, Salty Dogs. I'm glad we wanted to keep our playoff and division title hopes alive. Yes. I'm so happy for Mike Evans getting another 1,000-yard season. See, he's that guy. Everybody pulls for him. You're going you're gonna to notice a theme in these emails this week. All right. We need to keep him for as long as possible. I hope we win again next Sunday because our chances of making the playoffs and winning the division are on the line next Sunday. It's do or die time. Yep. I wanted to ask you guys if they could please do another Tampa 2 Salty Dogs mashup podcast. Because you did one before, and I loved it, just like I love both shows. I also want to give a shout-out to the Bucks fans who braved the rain and stayed the whole time. Did, did, your, did you guys or Casey Phillips or Brianna Dix get wet or drenched, and did you step any mud in any mud afterwards? Uh, sincerely, Dan, and he says, go Bucks, raise the flags. Yeah, okay, I, I already told the Casey Phillips story. Yep. I, uh, I stepped uh, in mud going to the car. You did? Well, it's... It's the dirt parking lot. Yeah, I didn't step in any mud. <laughs> no. Uh, I know Brianna got a little rained on before the game, but for the most part, we were just up in the press box feeling bad for the people on the field. Yeah. Um, the mashup, we absolutely are planning to do several of those in the in the at least three, I think, in the uh, off season. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard to. It's, to, it's one of your goals. Or it's, your, it's one of your what do you call it? I don't know. Um, pillars. I don't know. You're in. But we we have already written down that we intend to do three, at least three, because I think we were going to do one before the combine slash free agency, one before the draft, and one, one before training camp. So um, that if anybody doesn't know, obviously you're listening to the Salty Dogs podcast. Casey and Brianna do a really good Tampa 2 podcast that I think goes up on Fridays. Um, they are very structured, as we've mentioned. As, if you listen to this podcast, you know there is no structure. Um, we wind all over the place and double back and go off on tangents. Uh, they 
prepare ahead of time and do specific questions and that they answer. And so uh, we have done two podcasts with them where we just mashed them up. Yeah. Just and we, did, we did a little like the way we do it and a little like the way they do sure. it. And um, we've had several people say they liked it. So I'm happy to tell you that. It's yeah. Not... In the building, there's a big, there's a big cry for it right now. <laughs> uh, to me, it's more work on my part, but yeah, it, it, sorry know. about that. Um, but it's a little hard to uh, to uh, schedule that during the season, so we're going to do it in the off season. Okay. So thanks for that question. Yep. This is from Richard um, Terra Oka. He helpfully gives me the pronunciation each time now. Good. Uh, Richard Terra Terra Oka Terra Oka. Um, hola, oh, saltineers. I oh. thought it was going to be hola, like Spanish hello. No. Happy holidays to you and your families. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Same. Great needed win on Sunday. Kalijah Kansi and Yaya Dabi are looking are looking really promising for the future of the defensive line. Yes. I have a few questions for you guys. Well, that's what we're here for. Let's do it. Mike Evans continues to make history and hit his 1,000-yard week 13. Was that the fastest Evans made it to 1,000 yards in his career? Good, an- good question. I have an answer. I would love to see him be the Buccaneers' first 100 TDs player. Not counting quarterbacks, but quarterbacks don't score touchdowns generally. They throw them, but they don't get credit for scoring them. So right. he, he's, already, he's already obviously would be the first because he's the only guy. He's the top guy with 91. Uh, if you discuss this by this segment, no need to discuss again. So I put together last week for the purposes of potentially a story or a video. Oh, you're thinking ahead. Well, I'd pitch the idea that we do something on on um, every catch that got him over 1,000. Oh, I did hear you talking about this. I, I'm looking. Are you going to do it, right? We're doing it. Okay, good. Cause There's I, definitely going to be a video. Um, oh. I think I'll probably write a story as well. Uh, so in 2014, his rookie year, it was in week 17. In 2015, it was in week 15. In 2016, it was in week 12. Wow. Out of 17. We need now have 18. In 2017, it was in week 17. In 2018, it was in week 12. In 2019, it was in week 12. In 2020, it was in week 17. 2021 was in week 18. And last year was in week 17. This year, week 13. So this is well, not his fastest. No. Because he's gotten there in week 12 three times. Speaking of going over 1,000 yards, what about Tyreek Hill? Almost <sighs> going over. He has an opportunity to go over 2,000 yards. Oh, I think he's well on pace for it, right? Yeah, he is. No, he is. I think he's like, um, I want to say he's only like 500 yards short. With five, five games, games to go play. He's right. at some 1481. Okay, well. Averaging 123.4 per game. That would be pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, they have a very high. That, uh, he plays for the Miami Dolphins, if you don't know, and uh, they, they do have a high-power offense. They have a high-powered offense, but it seems like you should know this is coming. Yeah. And, and then they just he gets wide open. Behind the defense. Well, it, and then they can't catch him. If you can't, if you can't keep up with the guy, you know he's gonna, you know. He's on pace for two thousand and ninety-eight receiving yards. Wow. Do you That's, know what the NFL record is? Uh, no, I don't either. But I, I don't either. either. I have no idea, and I wouldn't even. It ha- it have to be recent because, gosh, in the beginning, no one ever threw the ball. <laughs> would it be Jerry? Would it be? I think it's Calvin Johnson off the top of my head. Okay, that it up. that would be that could be very true. 
That, that might be because he was at one Calvin time. Johnson had 1964 in wow. 2012. And Cooper Cup had 1947 just two seasons ago. Whoa. So nobody's made it to 2000 before. Wow. And he said that was his goal going into the season. Yeah. And well, it, it was reasonable, but sure. still he didn't really think he'd get there. No. <laughs> no, like considering no one believed in their quarterback. so That's true. So. And, and also their quarterback's ability to stay healthy. Yes, and he's done that. All right, I don't think that was the end of that email. Let's see. What's the team's rookie record for sacks in a season? Is it breakable this year by Yaya and or I think Kalecha? it was Gaines Adams, wasn't nope. it? No. Who? Santana Dotson, 10 oh. in 1992, my first season here. Yes, now I remember. That was a fifth-round draft pick. Yeah, that was before he went to uh, Green Pretty Bay. Bad. He he had he had five sacks in the Bucks' first three games, and then he ended up with ten, and that's still the record. And I think Gaines Adams is second with six. No, no. Um, Adrian Claiborne had seven point five in his rookie year, and Gaines had six wow. in his rookie year. So, I don't know. Do I really think Yaya is going to get five more in the last five games? Chances are not, no. but it's possible. But and Kalijah's at four, I think, so he'd need six more. All of a sudden, you could get hot. Well, Yaya is hot. He's got five in his last six games. Yeah. Uh, okay, three. I love listening to the Nothing But Bucks bo- podcast with TJ Rees. Oh, well. is there an understanding or an agreement for TJ to have his own little interview session? I'm asking this because when he starts to interview players in post game media sessions, he gets to ask a series of questions in a row, and all the other media members let him. It's pretty badass. Since you did, thanks for reading. Okay, so Jeff's going to explain. It it depends on who he's talking to. Sometimes we are fortunate enough to get one on ones. Usually when we talk to Baker Mayfield, it is a one-on-one. The other thing, and I will say um, it's a courtesy that other media members do. If we step in there, we'll say we're live. And they are, they are gracious enough to let him just ask questions until we walk away and then they, they continue. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. But it is because the other media members are letting – him uh, proceed because we are the only outfit that is live out of the locker room. I'm usually there when he does Baker because uh, TJ is kind enough to let me also record it so uh-huh. I can get Baker quotes sure. before he goes to the podium. Yeah. That is be- generally before the media is in the locker room. Yes. They, they let, there's obviously a period where there's nobody in there. And at some point they let TJ in with a, with, um, with Kevin, Kevin, his producer and Baker knows that he's coming and yep. he's gracious, like we mentioned. Very gracious week. doing So that. we're all in there before the media's in there. Now, later, when TJ's interviewing some other players, usually the rest of the media is in there. Right. And like you said, they understand what's going on. Yeah. And wait for him to finish before and, they then get and, theirs. And that's a, that's a courtesy. Well, also, all yeah. they're trying to do is get sound. So well, that's true, They're too. recording what he's saying. When being interviewed by, well, by TJ. That's the, so yeah. they're just getting what they need. Sure. But they also get to, they're gracious enough to wait. Yeah. And I appreciate that. All right. Good any, question. Any media member listening to this podcast. <laughs> I think, uh, I think Greg Allman listens. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because he, he's always commenting how wrong I am. Well, he yeah. also is the most thorough oh, he person does, in yeah, the world. He does. So. He does his homework. <laughs> you think he considers listening to this podcast just part of being thoroughly covering the team. I think he listens to this podcast when he's driving between the NFC South teams and <laughs> gives him something to do as he's getting there. <laughs> We're talking about you, Greg. All right. What do All you right. Got? Um, this is from Sam Nino in Nashville, Tennessee. All right. Dog, dogs. dogs. I hope you're both doing well. Man, I was so happy for Mike that game. With his TD catch, 
the catch that extended his own record of consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start a career, and with the stadium chanting his name, it made me feel like Mike was having his Rod Tidwell moment from Jerry Maguire. Oh, nice. When Rod caught that touchdown that basically ended the game and the crowd was going nuts, you knew Jerry was going to sh- going to show him the money. I like it. I personally can't see how the team will let him walk after this great season he is having. It's obvious Evans is the best offensive player in Bucks history. This is me. I agree. Sure. In your opinion, what would it have to do what would he have to do to be the best overall player in Bucks history? Thanks for the great podcast as well. And let's take back first place again this week. Yeah. Also, we still need some salty dog merch. All right. Maybe I'll put that in Maybe in the offseason. Yeah. We should put that in the plan. Right. Um, yeah, I was actually having a similar conversation because, yes, I, I don't think you can argue that he's the greatest offensive player in team history. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. If you were going to argue, I guess you'd go Mike Allstott, yeah. Paul Gruber, right. uh, and, Tom Brady. Yeah, Gronk wasn't here long enough yeah. to be, be that. Yeah. Um, what does what? he have to do? I mean, he has to uh, make the Hall of Fame first. Sure. Because you can't really pick a guy that's not in the Hall of Fame over four guys that are. Like, we couldn't really say Simeon Rice, right, even though he's a fantastic player. You can't pick right. him over Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and Ronnie Barber and John Lynch. Correct. No, I and, and Leroy Sellen. Don't let me forget him. They're all defensive players. Uh, where do you rank Mike now? Ooh, I think wow. I think generally the argument is if you're choosing the best player in team in franchise history, usually comes down to Derek Brooks and, and Leroy Sellen. Yeah, I'd say that. If you want to start there, but I'm sure many people would argue Rondé. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might argue that, or Derek Brooks. You know, I mean Warren Sapp. Excuse me. It gets tough though. Like Warren Sapp, if we if we look back at it, if we take ourselves back to that time, yep. this was truly a game changing player, a yes. position changing. He changed the way the position is played. He had a, he won an NFL Defensive Player of the Year, right? As did Derrick Brooks, as did Leroy Selman. Mike's not going to have an award like that, no, on in his career. Yeah, I, if you ask me right now to pick between Warren and Mike, that's tough. It's very tough. Rondé Barber, right? I might put Rondé Barber third. Right. I might put Rondé Barber second or first. I mean, based on the weight of his accomplishments and his tenure with the team. Uh, boy, I don't want to. I'm. I, I don't want to answer that question right now. No, I. Let's I, wait and see what it looks like at the end. I think that's kind of like ranking. You know, when you you know power rankings. Power rankings. Yeah, you know, they're depends. all great. Yeah, they're. Depends on your mood, you know, depends on, on, you know, you can, you can convince yourself this is it. And then you stop for a second and then you can argue yourself out of that one for various reasons. Plus it's, there's no one answer. Cause you might have, you might think you know what the top five is, but it's different than my top five. Right. So it's, it's a debate that'll never end. No. And I that's mean, a good thing. You know, what would he have to do to be considered the best ever? He'd probably have to win like an Offensive Player of the Year award or something like that, mm-hmm. and he'd have to get to, what, 120 touchdowns? Right. Get yeah. top 10 oh, yeah. all-time yeah. in receiving? Yeah. Because yeah. Derek Brooks is probably all-time tap, top 10 in tackling. Um, Warren Sapp amongst defensive tackles is probably up there uh-huh. in sacks. Rodney Barber, we know where he stands with his right. numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Lynch. Don't want to not mention John Lynch. Um, if you go by what they call approximate value, which is kind of a catch-all stat like war. Yeah. The list goes with Derek Brooks, Ronde Barber, Warren Sapp, Levante David. See? He's sneaky. Leroy Selman, John Lynch, and Mike Evans. 
So he's ranked seventh now with 81 AV, but he's only three behind Lynch. He's 11 behind Selman, but he is 111 behind Derek Brooks. Wow. So if you if you are – this is on pro football reference. I think it's a well-respected stat, approximate value. Derek Brooks is so far ahead of the rest of the field, Rondé second, that I don't see how Mike could possibly catch him. Right. He's got 81 war through 10 seasons, and he's not even halfway to what Derek Brooks has. Right. I'm not war, AV, but similar. Uh, so anyway, it, it's, it's a tough climb, but, um, I mean, it's fine just to say he's the greatest offensive player. And, it, and for a franchise that is mostly known for defense. All right. This is from Rhett Goodrich, who writes from us and has written to us before from Alaska. Oh, okay. Remember that whole conversation? Sure, yeah, yeah. That was great. Ahoy again and still shivering me timbers with temps in the single digits. Wow. wow. <laughs> Not envious of that. Here I'm looking at uh, our temperature and going, wow, it's going to be 43 Thursday morning wearing long pants. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I had the air conditioning on last night, though. Uh, so did I. Thanks for answering. But, but it was best because it's so muggy. It wasn't like the temperatures were so high. It was just so muggy. I just feel like it feels so still in the house when yeah. you don't ever have the AC on. Thanks for answering my question a couple weeks ago. I always appreciate your insight. So for this week, I wanted to ask your opinions on uniform selection. I have noticed that our team primarily wears the white jerseys for the majority of the season. I know during the hottest days, it's a strategy to make the visiting team wear the dark colors in hopes that they can't handle the heat. Right. But we seem to wear them even when it's cooling off, in parentheses, a bit, resulting in the Bucks being white and pewter instead of our beloved scarlet and white. It's not scarlet. Right. Or scarlet and pewter. Also, when might the Bucks jump on the multiple alternate or retro uniform train? Don't get me wrong. I love the pewters, and I love the cream sucker uniforms in moderation, but I would like to see some different colors. Anxious, anxious to hear your thoughts. And until next time, the Squatch. Yeah. You want to handle any of this? Uh, no. It's all done in April, so it's, it's a decision made. I like the white. I do, too. See, that's the thing. He's I, saying yeah. that, that red on white or red on pewter is better, and I actually don't. No. Red on pewter is my least favorite. Yeah, that would be my least favorite. I like the white. Um, I like the all pewter. I like the all pewter. I like, I like the, the all, all white. Yeah. Um, I think the all white is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um you had the answer there. We wear white here at home early in the season right. to try to get an advantage, put them and in dark uniforms. The problem is it's still hot now, yeah. and we know that in April that it's still going to be hot in November. Right, and the home team decides right. what color, what, what whether it be a light color or a dark color first. The home team gets that, that privilege, and then the visiting team gets the other choice. They have to go with the white, yeah. although we did notice that the – Color yes. rush kind of makes an exception yeah. because we wore pewter and, and the Colts wore blue. Right. I saw another example. Of that Which I week. thought, too, was interesting was the Carolina Panthers blue. I don't remember them in all blue, that shade of all blue before. Hmm. It it was a – I thought it just looked different. Hmm. I, I should know. have asked those guys that. So it's to, it's the same answer in November as it is in September. Yeah. It's still hot here. And sure. We have learned that. Yeah. You probably will see us – let's see, we got – Two more. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. I would suspect we'll be in red in those. Oh, I, I would. Yeah, I, I like Christmas one would be kind of cool. Yeah, and most speaking, teams. Let's speak, wear green pants. Speaking of, I did like the lights on the on the pirate ship. The yeah. Christmas lights on the pirate yeah, that was ship. Cool. That is very cool. So, as Jeff said, the other team decides, and teams that play in domes or are not worried about hot weather tend to wear their colored jerseys. Yeah. At home, so that puts the Bucks in white. Yeah. So, with the exception of this all pewter thing we did, 
uh, Red here is asking for other alternatives. The only other one, I mean, you got pewter. Yeah. You got a pewter jersey, you got a red jersey, and you got a white jersey. So right. we, and we've got creamsicle. Right. So the only thing you could do is black. Could you do the white creamsicle uniform? Like white pants? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's talking about different colored jerseys, okay. though. All right. Well, can you... Did, Why would you want to wear creamsicle pants, pants with white, white jerseys? I could see creamsicle jerseys and white pants, because we did do that some. Yeah. I like the way we have it. I've heard people clamoring for, and you can even buy black Bucks jerseys. That was first announced when they changed in 97. Announced? Well, when they had the big um, unveiling of the new uniform at the convention center, uh, they uh, they displayed the black one also. I can't remember which player had it on, but they did. You don't remember that? I remember that day. Yeah. We, we, we've never worn black jerseys. No, we never wore them, but we have them. One of them was black? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's actually, uh, we, we have to go to the photo archives, but there's pictures of it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do that and, and bring this back up next okay, week if you're wrong. Good. If I'm, but if I'm right, are you going to bring I'll it tell up? Until you're right, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I remember that day because I was involved in, I was in PR then uh-huh. and I was involved in, um, the whole process of how we did everything. And we had the little press conference inside uh-huh. and then we went outside to show them to the assembled fans. Yeah. And fireworks were involved yeah. and walkie talkies. And I don't remember. There's some miscommunication. I'm pretty sure that I told them to go ahead and shoot the fireworks off. Yeah. And it was a little early, a little too, too soon. <laughs> uh, but that was a big event. Cause that was carried live on all local TVs. Oh, cool. And we, and then I was working at the radio station. We were broadcasting live from that. And the three guys, a big event. the three players of model that were, if I remember, uh, Hardy Nickerson, yep. Mike Allstott. Yep. And Trent? Yes. And I think, I want to say Hardy was in the black, but maybe, I, I don't know. We're going to have to find a picture. I don't I know, feel like I know. Right here. I know you don't but feel anyway, like But anyway, right. there are people make, jer- companies make Bucks sure. black jerseys yeah. that they've sold. I don't think there's any plans for the Bucks to do that. And um, we already did multiple different schemes, as, as he pointed out, because we did creamsicle and we yeah. did pewter. Yeah. All right. And the creamsicles are pretty much universally loved yeah, now, so yeah, they're not sure. going anywhere. Nope. So if you wanted to do something other than pewter, the best I could think of was black. It, I wouldn't be against it. It would be interesting to see, but I kind of doubt it's But never happen. say never because in the next few years, who knows what's going <laughs> to pop up next. Well, never say never except I think we're done. All right. You don't have anything else? Uh-uh. Really? Dude. Wow. That's all the questions. Wow. You just what do you it, want from me, man? I, I'm just you're, you're standing up and stretching, so I figured you were totally done. Um, yeah. Okay. We're going to have to check on that. I had a conversation with someone else about this on the convention center and all of that. Okay. I do. I, I, I can picture the pictures. I, yeah. But I don't remember anybody being in black. Yeah. I uh, because it was weird because we all, they had it, but we never never it seems like quite a tease it. if we put somebody out there in black. I well, I remember it, but then again, I could have as they say nowadays, misremembered, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. You didn't misremember. You're wrong. And if I'm wrong, I, I'll accept that. And so you stay tuned for next week to find out if I am right and Scott's wrong. And hopefully we won't be as salty. We'll be singing a song being tied for first place. How's that? I would like that very much. All right. You done? I'm done. And for you, since you did, thanks for listening.